Welcome to the Empire Files podcast. This is Abby Martin. This is the audio version of each episode of the Empire Files hosted on Telesaur English. You can watch every episode at theempirefiles.tv. While many talk about the growth of the alt-right movement under Trump, there's a much less discussed and much better organized sector of the far right that has obtained significant power, the Christian right. I brought my Bible. During his campaign, Trump took care to appeal to his evangelical constituency, citing the repeal of Roe v. Wade and other key issues signaling to his base. He received more votes from evangelical Christians than even the most overtly religious Republicans like Mitt Romney and George W. Bush. Prominent Christian fundamentalist Mike Pence is in the empire's second highest seat of power, and the entire administration is littered with his fellow extremists, such as Betsy DeVos, Scott Pruitt, Rick Perry, Ben Carson, and Nikki Haley. Now they have unprecedented influence over U.S. policy, and the evangelical movement is just one sector of the right wing responsible for the growing threat of fascism in America. Author Chris Hedges has written extensively about what he calls the development of a Christian fascist movement. He even went undercover among them for his book, American Fascists, The Christian Right and the War on America, as well as witnessed and reported on the rise of fascism abroad. I talked to him about neo-fascism and the danger posed by this once fringe evangelical movement's recent rise to power. Many are calling Trump a fascist, even the next Hitler. Can you define what is fascism? Fascism is not really ideologically based. It's very protean in terms of its ideology. Um, there's a German uh, historian I like very much who wrote a book called Male Fantasies about the Freikorps, and he describes this was the Freikorps was the antecedents to the Nazi Party. They were demobilized right-wing uh, World War I veterans who were used to crush the Spartacus uprising in Berlin and the, the, the kind of uh, radical left that they killed Rosa Luxemburg and Leibniz. And it's, it revolves more around emotion, hyper-masculinity, a, a virulent nationalism, uh, a celebration of quote-unquote strength, of military virtues. Um, it holds up a kind of moral purity that it claims to represent. Um, it, it's hard. Robert Paxton wrote a very good book called Anatomy of Fascism, and he notes that fascism in every country has its own peculiar characteristics in the sense that Italian fascism was very different in many ways from German fascism. I think that fascism, although I'll use the word uh, to describe Trump, is perhaps not finally accurate. I think you're better off describing our system as what Sheldon Wolin, the political philosopher, calls inverted totalitarianism, by which he means that you're not replacing old symbols and structures. It's more like the old Roman Republic after uh, the civil wars and the rise of Augustus. So you still had a Senate, you still supposedly had a Republic, it was all a facade. So you have corporate forces that purport to pay fealty to electoral politics, the Constitution, the iconography and language of American patriotism, but internally have seized all of the levers of power to render this citizen uh, you know, disenfranchised. And Wolin writes that in that system, it, politics is never able to trump economics. It's all about economic consolidation, maximization of profit. And so what we're getting with Trump is, I think, a species of 
uh, inverted totalitarianism with demagoguery. Yeah, it's insane that one of Trump's first measures was basically making it harder for poor people to get mortgages. Right, right. So what we're going to get is uh, turbocharged neoliberalism. I mean, you can see it from all of the appointments, everybody around him. His political base is far from monolithic. We have uh, the Christian right, the alt-right. I know that you've spent a, a, an enormous amount of time studying the Christian right, but what exactly is the alt-right? How would you even define this ideology? Would you say it's synonymous with neo-Nazism, like how people are, are saying that today? Um, yes, I think it has a lot of characteristics with neo-Nazism, but so does the Christian right. Uh, the Christian right, like the alt-right, uh, is endowed with all sorts of conspiracy theories coupled with magical thinking, coupled with an utter disdain for historical fact. Uh, and I think that what we will see is that the Christian right will become the ideological, will fill Trump's ideological vacuum, because he doesn't really have an ideology. He's such a narcissist. And, uh, and I think that that will be handled through Pence. So I think this, is, in many ways, will be the empowerment of the Christian right, which I have always considered a political movement. I you know, went to seminary. I grew up in the church. I do not consider them Christians any more than the German Christian church, which was pro-Nazi, was Christian. Uh, you know, the, the German Christian church had the Nazi flag on one side and the Christian cross on another. I, that's how I look at the Christian right. And that's why you saw 81% of evangelical voters support Trump, even though his personal life makes a mockery of the very values, the kind of family values that they say they uh, hold sacred. Um, so I, I think I, I think this I think what we're watching with the Trump presidency, especially as it comes under attack from the establishment, both the old landed Republican and Democratic establishment, you'll 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 see his fortress become that uh, the the ideology of the Christian right, which I I wrote a book called uh, American Fascists: The Christian Right and the War in America. I didn't use that word lightly. I think the they are Christianized fascists. But certainly there's a differentiation between the Christian right and this kind of emergence of these emboldened bigots who seem to be much more vitriolic, the alt-right, who call themselves the alt-right. No, I think the Christian bold. right are as bigoted as the alt-right. Uh, you, you, the, the Christian right is much more sophisticated because it is a network. I mean, tens of millions of Americans are hermetically sealed uh, within this bizarre world because they... They they are, and with Betsy DeVos, this is going to be expanded with, if everything goes through, $20 billion of federal money, in essence, handed off to religious schools. So they uh, are, are sealed within, you know, their news, their religious information, their entertainment, all gets colored with this Christian. So one of the things I learned when I wrote the book, which I spent two years on, was I would go to the services, and that... They would have nice music, and the chairs would be a lot more comfortable than the pews in the Presbyterian church where I grew up. And it was kind of warm, and you'd feel good, and people... But then you would be pulled into the, the back rooms where you would be discipled, and you would be assigned people. And they would really break you down and sever you from your family because next thing you know, you're there every night of the week. And I was in prayer groups where people were weeping because their children weren't saved or their husband wasn't saved. 
And that's one of the great ironies as they talk about family. They're the great destroyer of families. So they're quite clever in having a kind of public face, which in many ways is even appealing, but a very dark cultish. I, I, I found many aspects of cults within it in terms of the way they broke people down, the kind of uh, inability to question these white male uh, pastors who had direct communication with God, uh, who made fabulous amounts of money off of these people's despair. So I think that the Christian right is a far more dangerous movement than the alt-right. Um, and I think that it has many characteristics that it shares with the alt-right in terms of its anti-Semitism, its homophobia, its Islamophobia. I think the alt-right, because it incorporates so-called new atheists, has its own coloring. But I think it shares many common traits with the Christian right. But I don't think it's as dangerous as the Christian right. I think people focus on it uh, because it's more visible. Mm -hmm. There is a strain of deep cruelty, savagery even, fascism, intolerance within the Christian right that is institutionalized in a way that makes it a far more dangerous movement than the alt-right. You mentioned that 80% of evangelicals voted for Trump. I wanted you to briefly talk about how evangelicals became this highly politicized force, because they don't comprise that right. much of the population. It was really a, it's, it's a kind of fascinating story. It was a, it was a conscious attempt on the part of right-wing groups to politicize Christian, conservative Christian movements. Because traditionally, fundamentalists, for instance, and evangelicals hated each other. I mean, uh, fundamentalists considered evangelicals because they spoke in tongues and stuff. Satan were, I mean, there were all these divisions. Mm -hmm. uh, they, fundamentalists, called on believers to remove themselves from the political process and not be contaminated by it. I'm going back to the 20s and 30s. And what you saw roughly around 1980 was the rise of what we call dominionism. It was propagated by Rusas Rushduni, who wrote this very turgid book I had to read. Uh, based on the Ten Commandments. But I mean, this goes back to, we don't have to worry about prisons because all murderers will be put to death and women who commit adultery will be stoned. I mean, it's really crude stuff. Um, and that got very heavily funded. They took over seminaries like Southern Baptist, which used to be a great seminary. Um, they pushed out, used to have in the Southern Baptist Church a fusion of kind of conservative Christians in terms of their personal piety, but they were very left-wing in terms of their politics, which is how my father was, actually. Mm. And that's all gone. And so there was a kind of hostile takeover. The essence was, uh, can we create the Christian society? And that um, viewpoint got infused into a movement that, uh, while it's called the Christian right, really doesn't bear any resemblance to what had come before in terms of evangelicalism or fundamental. There's a new entity, uh, many people call it dominionism. And, and that's when it got political, and it, and it, and it began, began to strive for political power, very, uh, with a lot of mistakes at first. I mean, they were too heavy-handed, they were too obtuse. Um, remember, had, if you remember a few years, uh, Pat Robertson ran mm -hmm. for president and this <laughs> kind of stuff. And now they've gotten a lot more clever. Um, and they 
alive, for instance, with a Federalist Society, so that like Liberty University has a law school. I mean, they're producing these Federalist judges. So they have quite effectively seeped into the inner workings of power. And, um, and it is an ideology that is, in that sense, although they speak about tradition, is really new. And Mike Pence, he was told by Trump's people that he would be running foreign right. and domestic policy. He will be the most powerful Christian evangelical, if I'm not mistaken, ever in political history, especially with the executive power that's right. given to the presidency. Will this move us forward to what you call Christianized fascism? And, and if so, what would that look like? Yes, that's what I expect, because um, this is an ethics-free administration, as we've seen. Um, there's not even a pretense about ethical rules, whether it's with Trump or anyone else. And so you have what's going to become a kind of naked kleptocracy. And I'm not just speaking about Trump's family, which of course will get fabulously rich, but about all of those forces that are predatory, mm -hmm. sucking money out of the education department, or uh, I mean, they're just going to—they're just—they're going to loot the country. But they're also inept which is a very bad combination. And as that ineptitude becomes more, uh, or it, you know, is more pronounced and more understood, they are gonna have to uh, become more ideologically rigid. And, and I think the only place they're gonna go is the Christian right. So what is it gonna look like? It's gonna look like a Christianized fascism. It's going to be the fusion of the American flag with the Christian cross and the Pledge of Allegiance. Uh, it's, we've already seen it. It is going to be assaults on women, women's rights. It's going to be assaults against the educational system, so we're teaching creationism and magical thinking. It's going to be attacks against, quote-unquote, those forces of secular humanism that are destroying the country. It's going to be uh, a kind of sanctification of law and order and and imperial adventurism into a kind of crusade uh, and I, and and I think that as society unravels uh, they will stoke this uh, demonization of the other Muslims undocumented workers African Americans are on the list feminists all the way down uh, to vent the frustration and the rage against segments of the society that are vulnerable within the context of a kind of Christianized language. That's kind of think what I think is coming. Betsy DeVos, you mentioned her. She's being roundly condemned for many reasons as being Trump's appointed Secretary of Education. But people are underreporting her ties to Eric Prince, which yeah. is her brother. He's the right. famous mercenary founder of Blackwater. He's also one of Pence's biggest donors. Yeah. And now he's advising Trump. Right. And as Jeremy, I had a conversation once with Jeremy Scahill, who wrote the great book on Blackwater, and I had been going around the country speaking about the Christian right, and I said, well, you don't have to worry, they're not fascists because they don't have an armed wing. Every fascist group, and Jeremy said, what do you mean? That is their armed wing. <laughs> and I realized, oh, he's right, and I was wrong. Uh, and uh, they do have, through Blackwater, essentially mercenary forces at their disposal. Uh, and and any, any totalitarian or even authoritarian government relies heavily on vigilante violence because um, 
they're not held accountable for it. I mean, even the excesses of the brown shirts, people forget Hitler would denounce it because he could. Mm -hmm. But I mean, of course, he was giving a green light to it. But then they would go beat up a bunch of people and there'd be an outcry and Hitler would say, well, they shouldn't have done that. You know, These forces will, I think, play an increasingly prominent and frightening role within American society because they're not going to be punished, they're not held accountable, and they can carry out uh, forms of coercion and violence and intimidation and threats on behalf of the state, um, and the state will protect them, um, but they're kind of immune. Now, that's classic. Yeah, we saw it in Israel. Um, we see it everywhere with these kind of militias that then become part well, of the saw, state. I but, saw it in Yugoslavia. Yeah, but I was going to say, I mean, Blackwater and what Eric Prince is doing is almost, that is kind of institutionalized, whereas as far as the vigilante groups on the ground, the actual armed militias that are emboldened by people like Joe Arpaio and who are taking action on their own terms at the border, and those are different, right? They are, but they'll be brought under control. Again, you can go back. I mean, the, the state wants centralized control. That's what finally did in the brown shirts with the Knight of the Long Knives when he got rid of Rome and the SS. You, the SS supplanted the brown shirts. They, they want control. So um, I think all of those groups, if we come to this, uh, will be put within structures that may not be public structures, but what we put within structures. I think a fascinating example of, of kind of how this has already happened under the Obama administration is the difference between the Standing Rock, North Dakota Access Pipeline protesters who are unarmed, right, right and crushed, and then you have um, the Bundy Ranch militia. Well, there you go. That's, I mean, imagine if, imagine if Bundy and all those guys were black. They'd all be dead. There's a good example. But that's always been true, and, and Hofstetter wrote about that in his last book on violence. The uh, I mean, throughout American history, we have relied on white vigilante thugs to go after African Americans, Chinese, labor movement. We had the bloodiest labor wars in U.S. history. Hundreds of American workers were killed. And who killed them? Gun thugs, Pinkertons, Baldwin Feltz, uh, you know, mine militias raised by the Scrantons in Pennsylvania. Uh, there's a long tradition of that, including the Klan. And... Um, uh, so, you know, we have a his kind of historical precedence for what's coming. Mm -hmm. And as the Trump administration uses the rhetoric of alternative facts to basically shut down any dissent, um, what about the alternative facts being promoted from websites like Breitbart and Infowars? Do you have any comment on the fact that Steve Bannon is now <laughs> in the ear of, of Trump and so is Alex Jones? Well, it'll, it, I mean, they're conspiracy theorists just like Trump, so they just reinforce his kind of loony worldview. The U.S. isn't the only country where we're seeing this far-right rise. Obviously, this is happening in Europe and beyond. How is what we're witnessing here connected to elsewhere in the world? Well, it's the result of neoliberal economics, where you uh, destroy public institutions. I mean, whatever you say about communism, and I was there in Eastern Europe, they had a first-class educational system, which people did not pay for. Everyone had health insurance. There was full employment. And so neoliberalism went in and destroyed, in the name of the free market, which everyone confused with freedom, all of those institutions. Uh, huge state enterprises closed, massive unemployment. I was just in Poland. Two million young Poles work as baristas in Spain or somewhere. Um, and 
you created a new oligarchic class by selling off state assets. This happened, of course, as well as Russia. And people, you know, finally woke up and realized they were being had. And they were being had by that quote-unquote liberal establishment in the same way that we've been had by these liberal elites on the East Coast and the West Coast. And we've seen the rise of proto-fascist movements in Hungary and Poland. We're seeing powerful proto-fascist movements in France, even Germany. Um, and and it, it all goes back to this idea that human society and human life should be ruled by the dictates of the global marketplace. It's, it's an insane ideology. It's never worked anywhere in human history. But until we break the back of corporate power, uh, we're not going to blunt the rise of these movements. Yeah, we're in such a post-truth reality that people think that Trump is still anti-establishment because they've just learned to blame the state for all of their ills. That's right. And, and, and when they figure out somehow that he isn't, when they get what's happening, then you will see turbocharged these, the hate talk and hate crimes. That's well, classic. Like you said, I mean, the police state was already put in place. It just is right. going to take someone like Trump to pull the lever. Right. This was the big mistake. The, the, he has all of the tools at his disposal to, with the flick of a switch, turn this into a police state. And they were all given to him primarily by the Bush and the Obama administrations. We allowed whole segments of our population to be stripped of their rights. I'm talking about poor people of color in marginal communities, a court system where, you know, 95 something, 94 percent never even get a trial, uh, the system of mass incarceration, the police terror where police can use indiscriminate lethal force against unarmed. Hannah Arendt writes about this in Origins of Totalitarianism. She said, when you allow a segment of your population, she was talking about stateless, she herself was stateless in France, to be stripped of their rights. Once rights become privileges, then should unrest spread without, without, throughout the society, you have both a legal and a physical mechanism to impose that already in place to impose that on everyone else. And that's what we're seeing, that, that what poor people of color have been enduring in these many police states um, is just instantly expanded uh, once the rest of the population is no longer passive. You talk about how the biggest way to fight Trump the Christian right, the alt-right, is to revolt, right. mass resistance. What does that look like? What does that mean? And why is the Democratic Party not the vehicle for the resistance? Well, because the Democratic Party is not going to confront the underlying ideological system of neoliberalism or corporate power, which has created the mess that you know we now live in. Instead of uh, we and the opposition dealing directly with the ravages of neoliberalism and what it's done, you have a Democratic Party that blames the election result on Putin or on Comey. This is ridiculous. Um, and it is a way to be as demagogic as Trump and a way to present alternative facts of your own. And that's very dangerous because if we don't have significant segments of the society that deal with the ideology, utopian ideology of neoliberalism that has led us to this mess and continues to offer up these alter alternative facts, then in essence, they're going to collude with Trump to create a form of American fascism. And they will be in many ways as responsible. If we don't go after those corporate forces, through acts of civil disobedience, such as at Standing Rock, um, 
we don't have any other way to have our voices heard or to create resistance. Now, it's going to be ugly under a Trump administration because, and standing rot was ugly under Obama. Rubber bullets, concussion grenades, pepper water in sub-zero temperatures laced with pepper spray. It was ugly there, but it's going to be even uglier because there just will be no holes barred at all. And, you know, in Standing Rock, they brought in private security contractors who just come from Afghanistan and Iraq, uh, which gets back to these kind of quasi-militias allied with the Christian right. We're just going to see a lot more of that. It's going to, it's going to be fierce, but we don't, there are no institutions left that are authentically democratic that are going to challenge these centrifugal forces that have brought us to where we are. That's only going to be done in the streets. Thank you for listening to the Empire Files podcast. If you want to subscribe to our mailing list, please sign up at theempirefiles.tv. We want this show to be a resource for those fighting against empire both here and abroad. Let us know what you think on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Empire Files and Facebook at The Empire Files.